When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. I <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> started so well, didn't it? <laughs> And welcome to Ladies Who London Podcast. I'm Emily Dell. <laughs> and I've already got the giggles. And I'm Alex Lacey. We're qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Believe it or not. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our website, guideemily.com. <laughs> already and alexlacy.com for information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours as well as what the blue badge guiding qualification is all about oh gosh we got through it <laughs> barely what's wrong with us oh, oh i just suddenly realized that we gallop through it so quickly but there we so are so professional so professional we're slick we're slick yes that's what, that's how what are you my love i'm grand thank you how are you i'm very well it's very raining well. and blowing a hooli outside today. Absolutely it's not nice, gorgeous. is it? No. Yes. No. Where's that nice summer gone um, we had about a week ago? <laughs> that I was know. it, guys. Do you remember summer of 2021? I think it was a Wednesday. <laughs> yes, it was a Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. <laughs> Good time. Absolutely. And it's, you know, because you look out the window, like if you're on a bus or something, and everybody's outside the cafes and restaurants, and they're shivering. <laughs> you know, they look so cold. And you think, God, they're all going to catch something. You know, they're all outside. That's classic British dining, though, isn't it? If you don't, if you don't sort of have dinner with uh, blue fingers and a side of hypothermia, are you even in England? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, committing yeah, to it this year. Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, well, how have you been this week? You had a good one? I've had a good one. Um, I'm keeping up with my swimming. Yes. Uh, which has been really nice. Although I was in the outside pool, I've now retreated into the indoor pool at the uh, the swimming bar or whatever they call it. <laughs> swimming bar. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's nice. It's just that awful feeling, you know, when you get out and it's just so bloody cold. Yeah. <laughs> you do this weird kind of swimming cold walk because you're obviously like in your bikini and looking drenched and freezing cold and trying to tap your way to the changing room as quick as possible. Well, there's an image. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Oh, dear. 
Let's get into it then. Um, welcome back, everybody, to Ladies Who London. I know we've got a few new uh, listeners recently, so thank you so much uh, for coming and listening. Uh, as you can tell, uh, we are incredibly professional and very incredibly slick, professional slick podcasters. Um, yeah. And this is Ladies Who London, a little podcast where Emily and I talk about our favourite things in London and um, do them with <laughs> uh, a fair amount of giggling and general silliness. But we love it. <laughs> we, we love do. having you along for the ride. Um, last week, what were we talking about? I can't, Last I did it and week, I remember, what was it? Oh, it was Georgina, about, the Duchess of Devonshire. Oh gosh, it was a fantastic story. She's great, isn't she? Have you seen, mm. did you manage to see um, the film The Duchess? I did look for it, it didn't seem to be on any of the streaming platforms. Yeah, I couldn't find it either. No, so it's obviously not a not one that's, that's sort of been doing the rounds lately, which is weird because it's not that old of a film. But if you can find it, if you have managed to, to have a look, uh, let us know because I fancy a rewatch of that. Yeah, and... I, I like Kira Knightley. She's she's good. There's a, a a film podcast that I listen to who have referred to her for years as IKEA Knightley because she used to be a bit wooden, uh, but she's got oh, a lot that's better. True, she she used better. to be quite wooden. Yeah, it's only in the past few years, in more recent movies, where I've gone, okay, Kira, I'm feeling you now. I'm Kira, if you're listening style. to the podcast, we do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, yeah, can you imagine? I, Bent I, it like Beckham. Sorry about that, Kira, but I don't know what was going on. <laughs> So, yeah, we talked about um, the uh, Duchess of Devonshire and our podcast pedestal choices of last week, which are, for those who are new to the podcast, they're basically our sort of crux points of what happened in whatever story we're telling. Um, I went for the one which was uh, the ultimatum that her her husband's mistress and her best or ex-best friend Bess gave to him. And when he sent her away, she said, look, um, I, I'm not OK with that. And I go as well if, you know, either she... Either you keep her here or, or we both go, um, which is quite, pretty impressive. And that's quite a crux point and possibly was able to then bring her back, uh, which he may not have done otherwise. Uh, and yours was, I think, a really fantastic one. Thanks. Which was the arrival into Chatsworth, wasn't it? Yes, you just painted the picture so well where, you know, she's got married. She's suddenly moved into this humongous house and you've got all of the staff members that are standing there side by side. She's been given the keys and it's just a, a whole new world that she wasn't really prepared for or ready for. It's incredibly relatable. How how did you deal with moving into your first mansion and having the staff? Uh... Uh, it was difficult. Yeah. It was difficult. <laughs> but I got through it. You did. Eventually. It took about five years, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah, I, I... <laughs> the idea of somebody washing me is okay. Yeah, yeah, fine. All right, well, you know, each to his own. Um, so <laughs> how do you think you did this week? Again, it's close. It's close most weeks, which makes me think that we're picking good, either good things or they're both equally dire. <laughs> One of the two. Mm, I, um, I feel pretty good. I feel you are getting good, so cocky but... with this. Oh, well, last week, I don't think... Oh, no, I had brown cows. Brown you did. You won, won last week. last week. Which took it up to... What's the score now? Because there was a, we, we had a bit of a jiggery-pokery on the score, didn't we? we couldn't oh, quite yes. Remember. The score is something like 15-13. I think it is. I think we're only two apart now. Yes. So, come on! So, it is again close. There's only okay. four points in it. <gasps> yeah. It's 48-52. to 52. Oh, do you know? <laughs> I feel like that 52 is for me it is for you it is for me Yay! it is for me you won the face off oh and i've just checked and actually you're on 16 oh and i'm on 13 so it's now oh, 16 14 oh well as long as i'm still in the lead that's what matters <laughs> 
just, <laughs> just, Miss Lacey. I am very, uh, I'm a very gracious winner. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very grateful for the win this week. I really am. It's boosting my confidence. Good. Because, uh, you know. You're smashing it, babe. I have been um, lagging for a little while now, so... And it is your pick of topic this week. So where did the Wheel of Destiny land for the location? So it landed in Lambeth, Lambeth. which is South London. Lambeth, doing the Lambeth walk. Oh, the one. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just momentarily turned into Pat Butcher. <laughs> so it, it is. I really should take these out. Um, so we landed in Lambeth and I decided that it would be good to talk about... A, a man, B, a performer, and C, well, it's Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> oh, good, because I was thinking up a joke there, but you ruined it for me. Anyway. <laughs> what were you going to say? Never mind. Doesn't, doesn't oh. work now. Carry oh, on. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, so, yes, Chaplin. I would like to talk about Charlie Chaplin. So when I say Charlie Chaplin, Alex, what kind of, what kind of feelings, words, emotions does it conjure up for you? Devastation. No. <laughs> Well, oh, well yeah, no, no, I'm joking. Um, uh, well, I mean, images more than anything. You know, him with his bowler hat and his cane, and the sort of the turned out feet and the little moustache, and the all, you know, and and yeah, just the sort of brilliant comic uh, slapstickery. Is that a word? Slapstickery. 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 Slapstickification uh, of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that's the image that it conjures up in my yeah, mind. Completely, completely. He his comic timing was just like no other i always he, the thing i always think of is that the the house falling down yes when he's standing in where the he's standing on the floor and the window goes exactly where he was i mean goodness me that must that that's taking your life in your hands doing that oh definitely and there's um uh i can't remember which one it is but he falls down the stairs repeatedly in the most obscure and must be a painful the most painful way um and just does take after take after take. Yeah, he was wow. a true professional. So I would like to tell you a little bit about Charlie Chaplin. Go on then. All right. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Charlie Chaplin, well, let's talk about his parents. <laughs> so his dad was Charles Chaplin and he was a performer. So he would perform on stage and he would sing. And actually his mother, Hannah, was also a singer. And she did uh, hilarious impressions of people. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she was any any particular people that we might have heard of or was it? Her aunt Pam, that kind of I do, yeah. I mean, this is the 1880s, so <laughs> so I don't know. Unless it's just, for entertainment, <laughs> she did impersonations of you know the barman or somebody sat in front of her, but I'm not sure. Brilliant, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and she actually had a little boy before Charlie. She gave birth in 1885 to a boy called Sydney, and the father was unknown. Oh. Um, she then marries Charlie Chaplin's dad, Charles Senior, and they eventually have Charlie. Now, there was no record of his birth. You know, they didn't know where he was born for quite a while. They couldn't find anything. He couldn't find anything. Um, but then later it was said that he was born in Woolworth, South London, which is in Lambeth. Oh, I assume his parents knew where he was born. 
Well, I guess so. <laughs> you would think, but there was no um, no kind of birth certificate that oh, he was aware of for quite some time. Wow. Yeah. Um, his dad then went touring in America to the musicals. And eventually when he came back, he was away for about a year. He found out that his wife had given birth to another child. Oh, his yes. or not his? not his oh, not yeah. his so hannah was having a bit Nasty of an affair yes exactly she was having a bit of an affair with a music hall performer so i mean he was away for a year i mean it's no excuse but <laughs> still, <you know. laughs> a girl's gotta do what a, a girl's, girl's gotta, gotta do. do exactly yeah so he eventually came back found out that you know another child had been born and this is where he walked out he walked out of the family this is charles dad and he started to drink quite heavily. Um, this is where it kind of turns just really sad because Charlie ends up going into a workhouse. I think he only goes to school for about a year in total. Oh. Um, goes into a workhouse in Lambeth Workhouse, which was notoriously really bad for lacking in water. Um, it was grossly overcrowded. It had a high death rate. It was awful. And he was seven when he went into the workhouse. Oh, those workhouses, they just, oh, they, they're heartbreaking, aren't they? Seriously. And his mother would have gone into a workhouse as well, not the same one. So he didn't see her for quite some time. But he does remember meeting her in Kensington Park, eating black cherries and tea cake, Aww. and playing with a football that was made out of crumpled newspaper and string. Oh. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. It is, isn't it? It's just that image of this ball that's been made you know, from whatever was young, bacon. We were so poor, we couldn't even afford the football. We just kicked the newspaper instead. It's like that kind of thing. It really is. Kids can these please, days don't know they're born. Can you continue with this accent? I don't know what accent it is. <laughs> but can you continue with that? That really worked well. I probably can't, even if I tried. Oh, no, I really enjoyed that. Um, now, eventually, Hannah was actually taken to an institution because she suffered um, with all sorts of uh, psychotic tendencies and uh, she just found it quite hard to, to cope with with a lot of what life was throwing at her. Yeah. Understandably so, because, you know, she had uh, three children and she just couldn't cope. There was no money. Um, and Chaplin actually um, said that there was nothing that they could do but accept their mother's fate. And actually, he later had to go to um, the institution where she was taken and and say, you know, I, I confirmed that my mother is um, is mad and she oh, does yeah. need clinical help. Um so he kind of lost touch with his mother at that point. And I, I don't think it was too long after that she actually passed away herself. So where was she? Was she, she wasn't in Bedlam or somewhere, was she? I couldn't find it. I was thinking maybe it was Bedlam because that was the the main one at the time. But, um, well, there I mean, were quite was... a lot. There were, there were quite a lot, but Bedlam's the most famous one. But I mean, probably yeah. almost certainly wasn't because there were, there were tons, particularly private ones. But yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to know. Yeah, so just because I think it's, it's sort of in that area, isn't it? It's sort of Elephant Castle. Well, no, not Elephant Castle. It's um, where is it? I don't even know anymore. Um, it's below Waterloo. Um, La uh, La yeah, it's Lambeth. Lambeth Oval. Was it? It's that kind of area. Lambeth. Exactly. Lambeth it's exactly in Lambeth. It's exactly in Lambeth. Um, 
so at that point, you know, he kind of had to turn away from his mother. And as I say, she died not too long after that. And his father died at quite a young age, at the age of 37, from alcoholism. Oh, dear. So oh, Charlie. I know you've got a lot going on, you know, this this youth that is very dark, very heavy. But then you've got these little light flickers because he must, you know, have those moments where he remembers seeing his dad on stage, his mum performing on stage. And there was actually one time when his mum was singing and she had a bit of an episode halfway through and had to stop. And the man that was running the event basically looked at Charlie, who was standing at the, the side of the stage and said, you boy, get on. I don't care what you do. Just do something. And oh. so <laughs> he just started to to sing and finish his mother's song and then do a little bit of mime. People loved it, roared with laughter. I think he was only about 10 years old. Bless him. So these little kind of um, these little memories of performing and and a lot of his work that is to come in terms of his little kind of uh, little films that last 16, 20 minutes, of which there are so many, are a lot to do with losing a family member or drinking. Um, but we'll come to that. Yeah. Um, so suddenly he's kind of, he's, he's by himself. He has to look after himself. He does have um, Sydney, who was born before him, his half-brother. They are very, very close. And Sydney is also a performer as well. And they start performing with a troupe and they are called the Lancashire Lads. So how, long, how old was he when his father died then and, and left them, well, just the two of them? So he must have been, this is about, nineteen fifteen, I would say, but at this point he wasn't really seeing his dad. So right, remember, okay. he had walked out. Oh so yeah. Okay, so he found out that his dad died at the age of thirty-seven, but I don't think that he was really around with him or or very close to him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Lancashire lads, this was a clogged troop. So they all did a bit of clog dancing on stage, made a little bit of money, which was great. Um, Charlie then performed in a stage show of Sherlock Holmes at the Duke of York's Theatre, which if anyone doesn't know where that one is, it's um, on St Martin's Lane. I think that's the road. It's just kind of in between Trafalgar Square and Leicester Square. Gosh. Well, yeah, interesting. Now, by the time he was 18, he'd got a bit of a name for himself. You know, people wanted to see him on stage because they knew that he was naturally funny. He had this fantastic way with timing. This is the edit here. This is Alex. Uh, I just want to jump in at this point to say, at this point in the podcast recording, I slightly lost the plot and had a massive fit of the giggles. And there was absolutely no way I could edit it to make it sound like it went together. So please excuse this stupid little interjection as cover for that terrible bit. And now on with the podcast. Anyway, let's talk about America because he moves to America and he actually says, you know, America, I'm coming to get you. He's incredibly excited Um, and he starts performing as a drunk. And as I say, in terms of his performances and his ideas, a lot of it is cast from his background and his connection to his mother and father. So it's kind of slapstick um, comedy, is it? Is it because, of course, he's famously a silent movie star. Is he is he? When he's on stage, is he talking or is it is it silent as well? Or what's the... 
So this is just when he goes to America. It turns into films quite quickly. So yeah. when he's performing on stage, he's not actually talking. Right. So, it's so it is very thing. much, you know, he's got that kind of, he's got that face, which is a bit like Play-Doh, where he can just mould his face and expression so quickly and it drops and falls and you know, where you think he's suddenly really sad, he'll then switch it around immediately and start laughing hysterically. And you just never really know which emotion you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. And American audiences, they loved it. They really did. It was something that they hadn't really seen before. People were saying that it he was one of the best pantomime artists ever seen. Oh, wow. And he was hanging around with quite a few important people. I mean, one of his roommates was Stan Laurel. Oh. Yeah, so who later himself becomes uh, very well known. Um, and he would go to parties. People wanted to be around him, although he didn't drink himself. Apparently he had quite, yeah, he had quite um, a, a puritanical, if you want, approach to his work and was obsessed with working all the time and would say that it's those quiet times when he would feel this urge to sink down into depression right so i guess in order for him to keep on going and not really think about you know things of his childhood and his parents he just had to constantly work um now, uh, he was earning really good money not too long after he moved to America. He was on 150 a week, which wow. in the early 1900s is an extreme amount of money. Amount, yeah. yeah, especially for someone who's, you know, a teenager, early 20s. Um, he lives in a hotel, the Great Northern Hotel in L.A. Okay. And at this point, he's working with directors. So it's not too long after where he starts directing his own movies, but for a little while, directors are telling him what to do. And they're saying that you've got to make these films fast, short, and you've got to be funny. Right. So when I say film, as I say, it's, you know, 16 minutes, 20 minutes maximum. They're not long. They're not long films. Um, now, his first film was called Making a Living. This was aired in 1914. And there's just this rhythm. And if you haven't seen it, you no, know, I've there's... I've never actually seen a Charlie Chaplin movie. And I've always meant to because I kind of feel like, yeah, you know, he's the one of the originators of, of on-screen comedy. And he really needs to, yeah, I really need to sort of get stuck into the Chaplin movies. Oh, it's it's so funny. It's a little bit like, um, you know, like Mr. Bean, where it just, it never grows old. Because there are no words, and it's usually the words that you kind of connect to in terms of the language and the way people speak obviously changes. But because it's a silent movie, those little moments where he's tapping someone on the shoulder and they look behind and he's gone and he's kind of sniggering behind this tree, it's funny. <laughs> Yeah. it's so silly but it's those kind of performances which will last a lifetime yeah it's true um now this piece making a living it was completed in three days um and it basically Whoa. yeah 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 so they're quite quick 
Um, and it starts off where he's trying to convince a passerby to give him money. Um, he's then seen flirting, which he does in so many of his movies where he sees a beautiful lady and he tries to get their attention. He tries to make them laugh and it usually goes completely wrong for him. Um, so with this one, however, he's flirting and he asks this lady if she will marry him. And she says, yes. So they start to get quite close. And then he finds out that actually she's with somebody else. And you have this kind of slapstick fight that happens. Um, and visually, he's wearing his top hat. He's got his little moustache. But that, um, as you said at the start, that, you know, the baggy trousers and the funny walk, he hasn't adapted this yet. This comes right. comes quite soon after, but not at this point. Okay. Um, and during this film, him and the director, they hugely fall out because he thinks that the director keeps on cutting the best bits and not understanding oh. the, the, com the comedic bits. Yeah. Um, so they fall out and the director says, oh, he's just an arrogant English man. Um, All right. Not, oh, let's not bring <laughs> that into it. Come on, lads. Yeah. Um, and and actually in the movie they spent so much i mean this is how how good he must have been that they wanted him in this movie because at the end of the movie a car is tipped over this cliff and it just it, it's just completely demolished and the car was purchased for $1500 which today is about 38000 yeah that's a lot of money it's a lot of money um, the director was actually Henry Lerman, who was okay. huge at the time. So, yeah, he hasn't been in America for long. People are understanding his style. People want him in their movies. And they know that this man, um, you know, as soon as people see him on the screen, people will laugh and therefore you've got money. So did he work with that director again? No, he didn't. He didn't. So other directors realised that that he had what it took and, and they were willing to listen to him on it i suppose yeah exactly as i say it's not too too long after that he just does his own thing right. and he kind of creates his own troupe he has performers that he uses regularly and he's a, a fantastic manager because he pays them a salary even when there's not a film going ahead wow so if there's been a break for whatever reason and it's taken ages for him to kind of come up with a script, he's still going to pay them week by week. That's really good. Gosh. Yeah, really good. Very modern. Very modern. So then we have this character, as you say, with this man who's got this, this little funny walk where his feet are kind of outwards like a penguin. He has his little moustache, his dark hair, his clothes that are a little bit too baggy for him. And this character is known as the Little Tramp. Yeah. And the Little Tramp first appeared in a movie which was called Mabel's Strange Predicament. Cool. He didn't know what he was going to wear. Apparently, he walked over to the wardrobe, put on a couple of things, and as soon as he put it all on, he felt like a sophisticated tramp. <laughs> he <laughs> Oh, I always he... feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's that thing where, I don't know, you know when you see, see people that, you know, unfortunately are homeless, but they are wearing their clothes in a way or they're walking in a particular way yeah. where, you know, they've got so much dignity yeah. and it's so beautiful to see. Um, 
and because you know it, you could end up in that position because of so many different reasons but it doesn't stop you from taking pride in yourself and having that dignity absolutely and and people fell in love with his character because you know he was this this homeless man who was trying his best in life to do whatever he could to get by yeah um in a very very sweet and humbling way so he said as soon as he yeah so as soon as he put on that that costume the the person the persona was born and it's brilliant because you can put him into so many different settings so this is this is where it kind of all starts for him amazing yeah you can kind of take that and run with it and put it in wherever you want whatever situation or comedic kind of chaotic scene that's happening works quite nicely yeah definitely so he becomes this kind of um somebody that people can relate to as well this kind of common man so you say he's doing his own thing is he directing them as well then uh yes soon after so he creates uh, well he works on a film called mabel strange predicament and then after that he starts to direct himself Right. And so he does everything. He writes it, he directs it, he's directing everybody, which is why he's quite famous for going take after take after take after take, because he was so, um, everything had to be exactly how he wanted it. Right. And, it, you know, he really looked at the little details. So if there was a, a woman who was meant to be looking at him in a funny way, that she didn't appreciate whatever he said or did, the look of her eyes and the, the the direction where her eyes was going is so important or, you know, a shrug of her shoulder. Mm. So it was apparently quite daunting if you were going to be in one of his movies because you knew that you really had to concentrate and, and listen to what Charlie Chaplin wanted you to do. Wow. I mean, great you- that he's got so much agency over his own you know, the, the actual outcome of his craft. Because you often hear stories, don't you, about actors and artists and things who have this vision and something they want to do but they're completely stymied by um the by somebody who's in charge who's the holding the purse strings and 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 not letting them fulfill their kind of full creative potential which is so it's rather lovely to hear someone who's gone ah no you know what it's not giving me what i want so i'm gonna just do it myself yeah totally completely um and again still so young at this point i think when he was 26 he was the highest paid actor in america Wow. At the age of 26. That's impressive. It's, you know, huge. But this is because as well, he just didn't stop. And, you know, I mean, in three days, he created one movie. So it's just every week. And people would go to the cinema on a particular day and they knew that that was the day when (laughs) a Charlie Chaplin movie was going to come out. Wow. How did he produce then? I don't know in total, but I know like in the space of about seven months, he did something like 36. Goodness me. And he was going, you know, all the time. I think his last movie was around the 1960s, about the 1960s. So his, his wow. conti- you know, continuous. Goodness me. Um, in 1914, you've got a very successful one, which I would highly recommend anybody to watch. It's called Caught in the Rain. And he goes into this park and there's this man and this woman and they decide to get a drink. So he goes off and gets him and his wife a little drink from the bar. Charlie sees this woman and thinks, gosh, she's she's so delightful. I'm going to try and make her laugh. (laughs) So 
he's next to this little water fountain and it accidentally goes into his face and she starts laughing and he thinks, oh, I'm in here. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so he sits next to her and suddenly she realises that she's not interested at all, that he's acting a bit weird and he's just laughing. Her face just looks kind of like a crumpet. She's so kind of like scrunched up in her expression and he is is just laughing and he's putting his legs on her lap and it's just highly inappropriate. Yeah, it sounds like, to be fair, I would have a face like a crumpet if some weird guy was splashing me from a fountain and then came and sat next to me. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Um, and so the man comes back from the bar and is just absolutely furious that this strange homeless man is trying to kind of touch his wife. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so far I'm on, I'm, uh, I'm hashtag team couple. Yeah. So they go off and Charlie ends up getting really, really drunk and he ends up finding them again. And he's in in their room <laughs> and he takes like this whiskey bottle and it's just like kind of uh, wobbling around and you can see that he's kind of slurring and he pours the drink onto his hat and he grabs the wife's brush and starts brushing his hat and it's just all what? it's just very strange it's just so peculiar um yeah that is definitely one to watch i'm gonna have to, what's that one called caught in the rain 1914 caught in the rain, caught okay. in the rain. yeah um, he then works on a feature-length comedy film. It's called Tilly's Punctured Romance. Um, this was really successful. And when it came to Chaplin renewing this contract with this particular film company, he asked for £1,000 a week, $1,000 a week, which is humongous. That's enormous. What would that equate to now? I don't know. Um, so if, what did I say before? It was like... One thousand, yeah, about, it's about thirty-eight, thir- about thirty grand. Wow, about thirty a grand a week. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, that's what I charge. It yeah, definitely, you know, and you're worth minimum. it, Alex. You're worth it. You're worth it. Um, so a lot of money, and they refused because they thought it was just too large. But because of the amount the film was making, this Tilly's punctured romance, he knew that he could kind of ask ask for this and people would would be willing which is what eventually happened he started working for another company um and he was getting $1250 a week god I mean, that's a huge amount it is that's it's enormous yeah and a bonus of like 10000 $10000 huge isn't it that's enormous a bonus of 10000 yeah and so this is the <laughs> point when he's 26 and he as i say he is the highest paid actor in america yeah unbelievable it is now um women (laughs) he he was a bit of a ladies man so i've heard yes Mm. so there are a couple of things with charlie chaplin that you kind of think ooh. Don't know how I feel about that, Charlie. <laughs> oh, okay, um, there we go. Yeah, he um, well, he had quite a few relationships with actresses. He would kind of, you know, uh, headhunt certain actresses, and they seemed to be very, very young, actually. Right. Um, 
he got married for the first time. He married a couple of times. For the first time, he married uh, an actress who was called Mildred Harris, and she was 16 years of age. 16? How old was he? So this is when he was probably kind of mid-twenties. Oh, lads, lads. Come on, lads. I know. And, and they married quite quickly because she told him she was with child. Right. So um, they got married, and after they got married, she told him, um, "Actually, I, I, I'm not pregnant. Uh, I'm not preggers. I'm oh, not pregnant. Dear. <laughs> Sorry, that Entrapment. was just a <laughs> little bit of a bit of a trick. <laughs> Whoops. Um, so with that, you know, Charlie was really angry, as you can imagine. Um, yes. Apparently, he Very. belittled her, he ignored her, and eventually, she she did fall pregnant and she gave birth to a son he was called Norman Chaplin but unfortunately he died three days after he was born oh dear and it wasn't too long after that Charlie actually divorced Mildred oh no Charlie and Mildred I know so that doesn't happen anymore and this is where he creates the kid which again is another one that if you haven't seen you must watch and he was obviously going through the fact that he just lost a child because the scene starts where this woman she is in a car and she's got this baby and you can tell that it's her baby and she's in a really distressed state and she ends up leaving the baby in what she presumes is, you know, it looks like a really expensive car. It almost looks like an old Rolls Royce. She leaves the baby in there and she just walks down the road. And it's obviously silent, it's black and white, and there's a little bit of music. And these two crooks, they suddenly see this vehicle and they steal the vehicle. Ooh. So they go shooting down the road, completely un unaware that there's a baby in the back. So it's quite, it's quite distressing, actually, as a viewer to watch it. Um, and then suddenly they hear this baby and they take the baby out and they literally just leave it on the street and they head away in this car. <gasps> yeah. And Charlie finds the baby and for probably about two minutes gets into all sorts of different problems where he's trying to give the baby to, to mothers that he presumes is the mother of the baby. Right. And um, you get this kind of bit of a slapstick approach where women are slapping him and wondering why he's trying to put this this baby in their cot and, you know, things like this. And eventually he decides that he's going to have to look after the baby himself. The baby grows up to this cute little kid, this boy that was uh, Jackie Coogan who played the kid, and they grow super close and Charlie Chaplin gets this kid to throw stones through people's windows. <laughs> so the window smashes. And then suddenly Charlie comes along, who I don't know why, but he seems to have lots of panes of glass that he needs to get rid of. <laughs> so he's then knocking on the door and he's, oh, I see that your, your window's smashed. It's a good job I've come along because I've got some panes <laughs> of glass on my Amazing. back. Um, and it's a very, it's very, very sweet. And I don't know, I, I like that when you watch something and you can see somebody's heart in it because it was so soon after he lost his his son. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good one. It's called The Kid. Oh. Yeah. And it was actually released um, with instant success. And by, I think it was like released in 1921. And a few years later, it had been screened in over 50 countries. Wow. 
Yeah. And that's the thing. It's it's like Mr. Bean, isn't it? Where because there are no words and although you might get the odd kind of black and white kind of card that comes up that will yeah. say, help, you know, I'm being yeah, attacked the sort of the or something. Thing, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's universally worldwide. It, it works everywhere. Yeah. You know, that kind of comedy. Yeah. Mm. It's rather clever, isn't it? Yeah. To do something that, yeah, it isn't reliant on language, spoken language anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. So then you have chaplinitis, which sounds like a, a <laughs> funny disease. <laughs> I love it. You've got the old slapstick disease. Um, <laughs> Maybe let's um, not call it that. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound good, does it? No. You've got the chaps. <laughs> oh, <I am> <laughs> um, So comics, cartoons, songs... People are dressing up as him, you know, going to parties. He actually has to um, uh, kind of look after the fact that people are also trying to pretend that they are him to try and get money. <laughs> so- oh, no, this is a thing. There is there is a story that he entered a Chap- Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest and came third, which I think is utterly brilliant. Um, I, it would seem that there's not really any evidence for that, that it's more of a... Um, a bit of a, a sort of a stunt or a, a, an unbelievable story, if you like. Um, but I, I, there were, you're right, there were Charlie Chaplin looking like contests and things like that as well. I love the idea that he would just sort of turn up and and, and try to enter <laughs> and fail. But... And like shake the shake the hand of the winner and be like, well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like that time they took Adele to, they did um, a thing with Adele, didn't they? And they put some... I was thinking of they, that. They put some sort of... Um, like a massive nose on her, they changed her face shape a bit and then they put her in a, a sort of Adele singing competition thing and then <laughs> she kind of came out and they were all treating her as a, normally and then she started singing and they were like, wait, what? <laughs> Whoa, yeah, I remember all their eyebrows it's like hilarious. jumped about four foot high. <laughs> yes, that's brilliant. So good. Um, so, Chaplinitis, everybody wants to see him, everybody wants to be him. Um, however, he did get a bit of backlash because, you know, suddenly we enter World War One. Mm-hmm. And um, people noticed that he he wasn't going to the front line and he wasn't helping. And he said, you know, if I get called up, then I will go. Um, so there are a few people kind of thinking that he should just kind of sign up anyway, um, especially because, you know, it was all happening here in Britain. And because he was British, people thought that he should go. Yeah. Um, however, he did raise money for... Um, for allies of the first world war by putting on all sorts of different performances and all the money kind of going to help people and helping people on the front line and soldiers. So I think his kind of popularity jumped up a little bit again. So did he, what was his reasons for not going and, and enrolling them or enlisting? I haven't found any reasons. Nothing that I so found that he, of... he particularly said. Yeah. Um, but just that if, if they ask me, then I will go, but I haven't been asked. Okay, so it wasn't it wasn't um, you know, a conscientious objector or anything like that. It was no, not that I found. Okay, no, um, and he did you know do start to do quite political movies. Uh, one that was called The Shoulder Arms. Many people warned him against it because he wanted to to show soldiers in the trenches, and because he was obviously um creating these comedic movies people were worried that it might kind of take the seriousness Mm -hmm. and you know so many people obviously were dying at the time um kind of uh, you're making too much fun 
but people loved it and people were crying out for comedy you know yeah. there was so much a bit of light relief don't you really yeah exactly so much sadness and everything happening so um yeah people adored it and in terms of his personality i should say that he was incredibly shy he always mm. thought that he would like the public's attention but actually when he got it he felt incredibly lonely and he felt really isolated um, but of course, as soon as he put on that costume and became the little tramp, he just lit up and was just such an explosive character. But actually him himself, I think when he was actually Charlie Chaplin, I think he found it quite hard to to be around a lot of people. Right. Yeah. So he's obviously a bit of an introvert, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Gosh. Um. So then, uh, gosh, you have so many movies that I could talk to you about, one of which was The Gold Rush, which was seriously successful. The box office made $5 million from this movie. And The Gold Rush, it was based on The Gold Rush in Canada, one in the 1890s, Klondike, where you have hundreds of thousands of people finding out that gold has been found and everybody leaving their lives, leaving their jobs, spending a huge amount of money on this massive journey to get to this particular area where the gold has been found yep. to have this huge stampede. So um, this film, it cost a lot. I mean, I think it was like uh, at least a million to actually make. Um, so they filmed it in Nevada. They had 600 extras because obviously you've got this stampede of people. You need lots and lots of people coming through. Yeah. And you might have seen this little clip of Charlie Chaplin with two forks. And at the end of each fork, there is a bread roll. And he does <laughs> this lovely little dance yeah. where the forks act as his legs and the rolls act as his feet. Yeah. You've seen it? I have seen it. And I've also seen it. They um, referenced it in another movie called Benny and June, which was um, a not, not particularly popular movie with Johnny Depp in. Uh, and he does the same thing. He, he does, yeah, homage to, to Chaplin. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, well, before Gold Rush was, you know, everyone sat in the cinema, everyone's waiting. Just before it comes on, um, they decide to kind of play this little this little kind of scene and they run it forward and then they run it backwards. And he's just, the little bread rolls is his feet and he puts them to his chin and it's, it's just ever so sweet, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. And also in this movie, there's a scene when him and this man, they start to eat a shoe. And the shoe what? was made out of licorice. Yeah, it's a bit bonkers, <laughs> but, you know, that's Charlie Japs. Yeah. Um, the shoe is made out of licorice and they, they do something seriously crazy. Like, I think it's like 40, 50 takes. It might even be more. And they're eating so much licorice. And especially back then in the 1920s, the licorice would have been highly laxative. I was going to say, licorice does have a laxative effect, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine the actor that's working with him thinking, oh, please, for God's sake, just say that this Let one this is the, the one. Let this be the last take. <laughs> and it's great. So in this movie, when they're like chewing, and you can see why they use the licorice. I mean, it really does look like kind of a rubber sole of a shoe. Yeah. And they they bite it. You just think, God, I wonder how much they've had just before that. <laughs> and apparently this woman who was on set, this little girl at the time, she remembers them just like having to run to a toilet every two minutes. I can bet. Yeah. 
Um, now he marries again and he marries Lita Gray. And Lita Gray, she appears in the movie The Kid. She's okay. 12 at the time and cool. she plays okay. an angel. Right. Then at the age of 16, with Charlie Chaplin being 35, they get married. It's on, it's, yeah, it's... It's on the edge, isn't it? It's, it's a bit dodge. It it's does. a bit dodge. Um, so apparently she also announced that she was pregnant. Right. Um, but she actually was. So Charlie, um, they got married. They kind of got married in, in secret because I think uh, the, uh, even at the time, you know, Charlie knew that her being 16 would have looked incredibly bad. Mm. Um, so they have this marriage in mexico their son is born charles spencer chaplin jr okay then they have another one uh sydney sydney earl chaplin and apparently the marriage was very um very bad for lita lee i mean she was very very young and she remembers that when she told Chaplin that she was going to have another child, that she was pregnant again, he was incredibly angry and said, well, what do you want to try and do? You know, populate the world with our children. <laughs> I know. I mean, this is what she said. So she filed for a divorce because she was incredibly unhappy. And in this, uh, you know, stream of letter upon letter, it, it talks about how she um, was abused. It talks about how he had particular desires, which she wasn't uh, wanting to um, adhere to. Um, and it, it got out of hand and it was completely in the press. And Charlie Chaplin was seen, you know, with this to be with a, a very young girl who was quite abusive to her. And it just looked very bad for him. And he actually um, paid her out a settlement of $600,000. Oh, wow. Okay. This was the largest awarded to um, to somebody going for a divorce in the American courts at the time. It was the biggest. Yeah. Gosh, that's yeah. a huge amount again, isn't it? It is. It's it really in all is. kinds of records, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So then we have a another film which is called The Circus, and this is about a clown who is only funny when he's not trying to be. Now, I should say, are these films that are now longer length, they're more than twenty minutes, or are they still at the twenty minute? Oh no, level? they're still they're still at the still twenty the same, minute. Yeah. They're still yeah. They're, yeah, they're still very very short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really easy to kind of watch. It's you know, and they're constant. You yeah, know, it's not like um, in a movie where you've got an hour and a half and you have these kind of lull periods because it is so short. Every, you know, every few seconds, there's something else. Something else. And it could yeah, just yeah. be yes. the way that he looks or, you know, something that he suddenly got on his person or. I'm definitely going to have to go and do some some watching of Charlie Chaplin stuff, I think. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and the circus this actually was taken out of his autobiography, which he wrote. And he did that because it was a really bad time for him. He'd just gone through this, you know, huge divorce that was out there for everybody to see. Everybody was reading all this negative material about him. So he actually kind of wiped anything to do with this film in his autobiography because it was just such a painful time. Mm. Wow. Um, we've then got the introduction of sound films. 
which Charlie was hugely against. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, it's not his brand, does it really? It's not his brand, and he he didn't he didn't get involved in it. So he stayed true to himself as much mm-hmm. as he possibly could. Um, and then a very famous film that he creates in 1939, The Great Dictator. Ah, oh, okay, yep, yep. So this um, this shows images um, of Nazi Germany and Hitler and Stalin. And um, so this is where many people are accusing him of being a communist and people oh, start to, to, you know, kind of question Charlie Chaplin's personality. Right. And it's yeah, it's not too long after as well where he creates a movie called Monsieur Vadou. And this is where Chaplin plays a serial killer where he attacks women for money. And so yeah, they say that this is the kind of movie that suddenly uh, the 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 fuse you know is lit yeah. on his on his career really because it just starts going down and down yeah i can imagine that's not wildly popular to something like that no it's quite dark isn't it yeah now he then um meets somebody else he meets uh, a woman called joan barry this time she's 21 so oh, we're getting a bit better <laughs> we're getting a yeah. little bit better <laughs> he's 42 okay um, and she actually sues him for impregnating her and abandoning her. Oh, my goodness. So this is all in the papers as well. And whilst this is going on, he meets uh, a woman called Una, who is 18 years of age. Yeah. Una O'Neill, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in the end, he flees with Una. And whilst he's out the country, a lot of people are trying to bring him down. A lot of people are kind of wondering if he does have respect for America. And there were a couple of movies that he came up with which weren't very respectful to America. And it kind of, it makes fun of the American people. Mm. Is he living Um, in America at this point or is he back in the UK? No, so at this point he's gone to Switzerland. Right, okay. He has, I should say he has, you know, during that time when he was living in America, he has come back to England. He did go to Lambeth um, and he actually stayed at the Ritz Hotel with thousands of people trying to get at him. And there's pictures online where he's outside this window of the Ritz and I think he's got like carnation flowers from his room and he's just yeah. throwing them all over the pavement. Yeah. Do you know the um, little story about the the hat and the carnations from that? Event? Oh, yeah. Wasn't there a, a mother trying to uh, get some money from Charlie Chaplin <laughs> because her son's, what is it, her hat so her, her got son taken? Was to, yeah, her, her he was trying to catch these these carnations that Charlie Chaplin was throwing out and his top hat got crushed in in the chaos and so she wrote she sent the bill to him said you know because you were there throwing all this stuff my son's hat top hat got crushed here's a bill for I think it's like seven shillings and sixpence gosh do you know if he paid it I've no idea I suspect he probably would have done actually but I I don't know for definite gosh um (laughs) So he would, yeah. So he would have visited Lambeth again. He would have visited London. He went around Europe on various occasions. But when he left for Switzerland, and you know, you've got quite a few people kind of wanting to bring him down. It suddenly seemed that actually he doesn't have an American passport. He's only ever travelled with his British passport, oh. and he's gotten away with it because he's, you know, is uh, an affluent person at this stage. He's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of power. You know, Liberty, people yeah. bend over backwards to have him in their country. 
so because of that, they decide that he can no longer come into America. Oh, my goodness. He's banned from coming in, essentially. So he lives in Switzerland with Una, and they move into this huge mansion. It's like this 18th century mansion overlooking Lake Geneva. You know, they're fine. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, and he does write uh, this piece, this, this film. It's called A King in New York, and this is all to do with um, uh, somebody trying to smuggle their way into America uh, and this was actually banned. This was banned in America. Really? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, then, you know, we're coming kind of close to the end of his life now. It's, well, we're around the kind of 1960s, 1970s mark. He's had quite a few strokes at this point. He's been left partially dis disabled. However, in 1972, and this is when the dust has kind of settled in terms of him and his relationships. People are starting to watch his his films with a bit of a, a lighter a lighter mm. eye upon it, if you like. Okay. And he's actually asked to come to America to receive an award. Oh. This is an honorary award for lifetime contributions to film. Interesting how these things change, isn't it? When uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Stuff honors are abound yeah and many people say don't do it you know you might have been invited from a couple of people but i'm sure there's still going to be many that that you know are pretty angry with what mm. you did and how you treated these young girls these young american girls yeah but he said no i will go so he went and he received a 12 minute standing ovation at the oscars oh my goodness yeah, can you imagine how sore your hands would be? Twelve minutes, be like, <laughs> who's going to be the first to stop? I know. Yeah, that, that feels like a little bit of a peeing party, doesn't it? Like, I know. I dare you. I can go longer than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But gosh, yeah, twelve minutes. So then, eventually, when he goes back to Switzerland, he's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. He constantly needs care at this point. And in 1977, on Christmas Day, at the age of 88, he dies from another stroke. All right, gosh. 88, but though, pretty good. 88, yeah. yeah. But there one year but, later, yeah, one okay. year later, so he, Charlie Chaplin he, he is buried. Uh, <laughs> what did you say? He revived. He revived, yeah. One year later, <laughs> he came back to life. We couldn't believe it. <laughs> Um, no, one year later, so he's buried. He's buried in Switzerland. Um, he married Una, by the way. Mm. And, and they two... stayed together as well, didn't they? They did, yeah. 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 So um, two refugees from Eastern Europe dig up Charlie Chaplin's corpse. Oh, yes, I've heard about this. And they take it hostage. Yeah. And they're ringing Una and they're saying, if you want your husband's body back, I mean, God, um, then you have to pay, you know, X amount of money. And it was an, an extortionate amount of money. It was huge. And Una, you know, would say, Charlie would find this hysterical. You know, it's, mm. it's a slapstick comedy in itself. The fact that these two men have taken, you know, his body and it just kind of you know kind of walking around with it trying to get a bit of money <laughs> yeah i suppose so like sling it over their shoulder kind of thing yeah yeah so it, 
his body was missing for 11 weeks. Right. Well. And they managed to find it because they finally uh, tapped. I mean, this is the 1970s, but they managed to tap a phone call. So one of the men who took the body was talking to Una and they managed to, to tap it and find <laughs> where this guy was. Brilliant. And eventually they found the body. It was reburied under a concrete slab. Ah, so there you go. So there you go. You and just that's, uh, Yeah, that's in Switzerland, which is wow. where he's born. Uh, sorry, where he's born. Where, where he's born now. Where his, no. his, he was born again. <laughs> where his body, again. where his body lays We're going to start rest. a new cult around this now. We're going to start, start the rumour. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And his daughter, not his daughter, sorry, his granddaughter from that marriage with Una mm. is an actor as well now. Did you know this? Right. Yeah, she's also oh. called Una, Una Chaplin. She's mid-30s, I think, something like that. Wow. Um, she's a really good... Well, she, yeah, she was in... I don't watch it, but she was in Game of Thrones. Um, as on, Let me find the name of who it is, because people will watch and will know. Yeah. Uh, she's called Talisa Stark, is who she plays. Oh, okay. Do you watch it? I don't. No, so it means nothing to either of us. <laughs> <laughs> I remember see, seeing her in a, um, a series called The Crimson Field, which was about um nursing in the in world war one um which came out oh, maybe five or six years ago now um which was really quite good it only did one series but it was around the yeah it would have been it was around the start of the um the anniversary of the first world war so it would have been 2014 i guess or thereabouts um and it talked about um, nursing in the in the tents on the front line and she was in that um yeah so she does pop up quite a bit um so wow go. his granddaughter is i mean still can you imagine being related to him yeah, I mean, it's probably quite a big thing to have on your shoulders, but I don't know. I mean, people in the industry may well know, but I don't know that that many people outside of the immediate industry would know that that's who our grandfather is. Because, you know, mm. he's obviously long gone. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, yeah, so I don't know that that many people know that, but there you go. There you go. Oh. Well, there you are. A little Thank bit of Charlie you. Chaplin. Great story. It's funny. I, I mean, I knew little bits about him. I knew the odd little story, but I, I didn't realise there was quite so much scandal around him. Yes. Uh, quite so much in the way of, um, you know, bed hopping and and, um, and and sort of, yeah, political standing and, and all that kind of thing. Didn't, yeah, no there is more as well. I mean, there's um, uh, the first kind of paternity test because there was a woman that was claiming that her child was Charlie's child and Charlie just didn't accept it at all. And it's the first time in a court that they they thought about doing a, a paternity test to check. Wow. There's lots of lots of different things like that. And okay. some, you know, you, you can imagine, well, there'd be quite a lot because he had so much wealth. A lot of people would, you know, kind of say he's attached to me or my child. And But at the same time, he did do quite a few things which you know, are just not acceptable. <laughs> yeah, and it's always interesting to, because, I mean, we, of course, if you say Charlie Chaplin to anybody, even, you know, I mean, you and I are, are past Charlie Chaplin era, people younger than us will still know who he is. Definitely. But they will know his craft and his art rather than his life, which is interesting. Mm. Um, which begs the question, you know, what are you remembered for and what can you get away with, of course, as well. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a that's a bigger question for another day. For another day, for um, another day. Yes, but yeah, everybody, pint, get yourselves on YouTube and binge watch some Charlie Chaplin. I think I'm going to be doing that tonight. Yeah, yeah. What a great, uh, a great thing. Thank you so much. Brilliant You're story. Welcome. You're Love welcome. It.
Yeah. Now, um, before we go on to the Wheel of Destiny for this week, there's something that I forgot to mention at the start when we were just talking about Georgina, Duchess of Devonshire. Um, after we'd recorded last week's podcast, I was tipped in by my friend Kat, thank you Kat, that there was a, a documentary, I think it's got two episodes or possibly there might be more coming up, on um, makeup. Now this might not you know be interesting to everybody but it was about the history of makeup and it is i think one of the best bbc documentaries i've seen it was the level of detail and the and the way that they brought in loads of stuff is absolutely brilliant so i really recommend watching it but the first episode went in quite it was all about the georgians and it went in quite heavily on the georgian uh, makeup and um, how they used to wear their hair and using um mouse fur for eyebrows and things like that and they talked a lot about georgiana duchess of devonshire oh, and the devonshire brown the devonshire gray that we spoke mm-hmm. about last week mm-hmm. and um the in- influence and impact that she had on fashion so if you are interested in watching it it's on iplayer at the moment um i can't remember what it's called but if you chuck in makeup into the search bar it'll come up and yeah there's at least two episodes. I don't know if there's more in the series, but the one on, on the Georgians was fascinating. And it was very, very interesting how they thought about everything and brought in, uh, you know, bl- beauty for black people in the, at the time and all sorts of stuff. It was very good. So um, give it a go. Brilliant. Thank you. What have you got coming up, babes? So what have we got coming up? We've got another garden tour. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> um so i've got garden tour on thursday so tomorrow so if you're listening to this podcast on the day that it comes out the thursday after yeah is when i've got my tour um and that's at 6 p.m i'm also selling tickets for a walk-in tour i've got a walk-in tour on saturday for street art so if anybody fancies coming on it i'm taking maximum six people yeah um from two households so if you're a group and you know another group from a different household um then yeah let me know let me know and what about you alex well i have uh some walking tours coming up this weekend we've got a smithfield blood and guts in smithfield and clerkenwell which is coming up on sunday morning and um my final virtual tour in the series which is uh behind bermondsey uh, or Best of Bermondsey, rather, on Sunday night. And then we've got loads of walking tours coming up. So on the 16th of May, um, I've got My Street Art One. Um, we've got a glorious Greenwich walking tour coming up, Slavery in the City. There's there's tons of walking tours coming up. So please, please do come and have a little look at what I'm doing because um, we're starting to get out there again. It's exciting. I, I wasn't sure for a little while and now I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited to get out there. And um, yeah. I've got a couple yeah. of private walking doors coming up, which is exciting too. Oh, lovely. Get yeah. that badge on. Absolutely. Can't wait. Can't wait. Get. Oh, right. So, podcast pedestal. Oh, we haven't done that yet, have we? No, we have not. <laughs> no, we that. have not. Okay. And um, I'm going to let you. Oh, no. Yes. Um, no. <laughs> podcast pedestal this week. Right. What am I going to pick? Um, ooh, okay. I think I'm going to pick, you're going to hate me. <laughs> you're happy for me to go first? I think so. Okay. I'm going to pick um his development of the little tramp. Okay. Because no, that is that. That's fine. so iconic for him Um, that I think, oh, do I want that? I want that. Yeah. I mean, that is that is the biggie. It's kind of him going it alone and creating the little tramp. 
Yeah. Um, which is the, the sort of the big thing of, of I'm not happy with the way that the direction is going with what we're filming and I have this image in my head and I want to do it this way and if you're not willing to do it that way I'm going to do it myself and this is my uh, so actually I think I'm going more towards the, the going, it, going it alone rather than the little tramp aren't I going it alone yeah yeah making his decision to kind of go it alone and, and do his own do his directing own his own movies yeah I think so yeah so I've talked myself out of the little tramp I've got I've talked myself into going it alone yeah going it alone <laughs> yes. are you sure yes final answer you're going to go for little tramp aren't you no, I'm not. I <laughs> I think I'm going to go for the licorice shoe. Ooh, intriguing. Because of the amount of takes. And I think it, it says a lot about his craft because he was willing to, uh, to become quite ill in order to get <laughs> the exact moment. Because when they're eating this shoe, it's not like... Um, you know, a big kind of car chase in a movie which goes on for ages and it, it needs to be right. It's a tiny little bit. And yet it was so important to him. Yeah. So I think I'm going to go with Licorice Shoe. I think I might change back to the Little Tramp. <laughs> I can't, yeah, no, because I, I can't quite get the Little Tramp out of my head. I'm going to go Little Tramp. Little Tramp. Yeah. The Little Tramp. Yeah. You're so going to win that because people will be like, well, of course. <laughs> Well, licorice no, shoe. Think, What's no, I'm that? not sure. I think the licorice shoe is a jolly good. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll yeah, see. I'm going to go little tramp because it's so you're going to go little tramp. Okay, yeah. so you want the little exactly. tramp and licorice shoe. Okay. Yeah. Well, choose so wisely, everybody. Choose wisely. <laughs> little tramp. Little tramp. Uh, licorice shoe. Licorice shoe. <laughs> um, that's your pick. So the poll- polls will go up on Sunday on our Instagram, uh, which is Ladies Who London podcast, and uh, it'll go up in the polls and also as a post. And then we'll bring it over to our own um, personal Instagrams as well. Um, you can always message us if you want to. Whatever you fancy, really. Vote. The Wheel of Destiny. Here we go. It is the Wheel of Destiny time. Ooh, and it's your turn. It is my turn, isn't it? Um, yeah. Let's. I've got, as usual, my list is, I keep adding to it. So there's plenty on there. Um, let's go for it. Okay. Do you want to kiss my finger on the screen? <laughs> no. Go on. No, no, you're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me down. You're so creepy. Not like a bit of Zoom action. <laughs> right. <laughs> Off we go. <laughs> oh, it's landed somewhere new. Hey. But exciting. It's um, it's landed on the embankment. Ooh. Oh, now I'm really happy that we put that in because that that is quite a sort of a wild card because the embankment area is so long. You can go anywhere from kind of Tate Britain all the way down to the Tower of London. Um, so let's do all of that. No, uh, let's do. Well, we did actually have a request from one of our colleagues, um, Rachel Pearson. Hi, Rachel. Hi, um, Rachel. Who said if at any point in the future there is an opportunity, she'd like to hear about uh, Waterloo Bridge and Somerset House. So uh, I think now is that opportunity. Let's do it. Fantastic. So let's do Waterloo okay. Bridge, which is known as the Women's Bridge, and I'll explain yeah. uh, next week whether or not that is true. And then we'll have a look at Somerset House. Lovely. Oh, I love, love Somerset House. Yeah, it's great. Really good. Mm. Really good. 
Mm. Okay, perfect. Brilliant. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for coming and listening. Please go and rate, review, and subscribe to us. Give us that little subscribey clicky box because that um, makes us feel all warm and gooey inside. It does. Um, warm and gooey. <laughs> warm and gooey. And apparently, apparently, it's what they say on all the podcasts. It helps people find us. I don't know if that's true or not. I'd like to think it is. Um, but go for it. But do it anyway. Do it yeah. anyway. Yay. Lovely. Well, thank you very much, everybody. We'll Have a very enjoyable week. Thank you very much, Alex. Yeah. Just bye. bye.